Hey yo, welcome to letting it all hang out. This is officially episode number one. And if you already forgot, my name's Haley Kalani and I created this podcast to bring together a community of interesting, skilled, dope ass individuals that make me smile, that make me laugh, and we love to have a good time here. So today's special, incredible, remarkable, phenomenal guest is Gary Ware. Gary is the founder of Breakthrough Play, and he is a sought-after corporate facilitator and keynote speaker with nearly a decade of experience as a performer in improv theater. He assists teams with unlocking their creativity, unlocking their confidence, and actually sparking collaboration with experiential methods proven to drive peak performance, aka fucking play. How fun is that? Gary spent over a decade in the corporate world and originally pursued improv to master public speaking. And eventually he discovered pretty quickly that combining improv and play could actually be a powerful solution to achieve various business challenges. And so he created workshops for his team and other executives in his network to deepen relationships and improve creativity. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. And as a quick PS, when I had this conversation with Gary, I did not plan on making this a podcast episode. It wasn't until after having this conversation where I was like, oh my God, that was so good. And we wound up talking for like over an hour that I was like, I got to turn this into a podcast episode. Uh, it was so special and so fun that I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So let's get into it. Yes. Amazing. Success. Thank you. I just want to start with that because yes. you're so fun to talk to. Likewise. I feel like our energies are really pretty evenly matched. I was just so excited to have another conversation with you, regardless of it's, if it's recorded right. or if we talk about anything specific, but especially to collaborate because I was like, ooh, we can get into some good stuff. And, and because what we do is so different, but the basis of what we do is like that play and that creativity. And so I was like, it's perfect. It's a match made in heaven, which brings us to our topic, which is just play. Yes. We got to play more often. And I think that I'm, I'm so glad that you wanted to talk about this. I mean, obviously you do. It's like what you base your whole career on. <laughs> yeah. But uh, two is, and as you said in your message, like it's so needed right now. Everything's so serious, so rigid or, or very like a lot of tension, a lot of, you know, drifting between people, between family members, between friends, between coworkers who right. used to be so like close. And now it's just all this like, bundled up stress, bundled up tension, bundled up everything. And play sort of allows us to de-stress and relax a little bit more and also find more appreciation for the small things in life and have more fun. And if we have more fun, that sort of leaks into so many other areas of our life. Yes. Yes. I I agree 110%. And it's, it's funny because I know all of this, like I, I, you know, I, I've been studying it. I've been facilitating it. And yet I still have to remind myself, it's a practice. Like our brains aren't like wired to just be like, play, 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 because we're wired. Like our brain's number one job is to keep us alive. But like, I feel like as adults, like we forget that play is essential to so many areas of our life. And and we just think of like the, oh, this is just something that, you know, that kids do, or it's something that I can do when I'm not stressed 
or when I don't have work. And to be honest, I, I don't know what that would be. Like, I, if, if I waited till like I didn't have any work to do to play, like I, I wouldn't be playing at all. But I still have to remind myself. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like that you say that it's a practice because I think just like so many things in life, it's not like you learn it once, maybe besides like riding a bike or something that it just sticks with you and you're good to go. Yeah. And it's part of your everyday life and you don't ever have to think about it. And it's hundred percent beautiful. Like that's not the case, especially with stuff that's not like tangible, right? Like, cause it's all sort of in here and then actually yeah. And so when you say to practice, I'm like, yeah, you got to remind yourself to go out and do these things. Yes. And a lot of times, especially me included, and I'm sure you've dealt with this too, is like, well, and you just touched on it. I don't, I don't have enough time or like, I'm so busy with other things or all of this nonsense that we crowd our brain with. Incorporate that with more play, even if they are or feel really, really, really busy, like maybe they have kids like you do, or they're working a nine to five or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I, the one thing that I've been thinking about is as a way to start to make it more accessible, because this is the thing, if you don't see the importance of it, you're not going to invest time and energy into it. Like it, that's just an intelligent thing. Like if, you know, we do the things that are of priority and everything else will fall through the wayside. And I feel like what people need to do is realize that the importance of play. So that's the first thing of, of realizing that play is so much. It can be so many different things. You know, it can be rejuvenation. It can be connection. It can be de-stress. It can be all of these things. And that is the first, that, that is important. And it's so interesting because I feel like it's the chicken and the egg sort of situation where I want people to like understand that. However, I feel like because it's such a visceral experience, how can you just experience it? Um, so um, what I would recommend is a few things. One, starting to think as minuscule as you can, you know, how can you add play into your day in five minutes, two minutes, <laughs> 60 seconds, like whatever it is, just so you can have that contrast of like, all right, this was me before play, 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 whatever that is. And this is me now uh, because that is, that's going to start to make that shift for people. Like once you start doing it, then it can, you know, start to become a habit. Uh, there's the researcher, BJ Fogg. He has a book um, called Tiny Habits and he talks about that. He talks about behavior and he says uh, it's called BMAP. I believe a uh, behavior equals motivation, ability, and prompt. So you have to have, in order for you get to get the sweet spot, you have to have just the right amount of motivation and the right ability uh, level, and there has to be a prompt. So any one of those things are missing, the likelihood of you actually doing that behavior is going to be slim to none because that's just how it works. So you can have high motivation, so uh, it, imagine it being a vertical axis or an axis where motivation is the vertical accent, access ability is the horizontal. And uh, so if you have high motivation, but your ability to do it is very low, you're not going to get above the action line to actually have that behavior. Uh, so you need to make it super simple. So like, for example, with play, if your ability to do it um, is really hard because you again, you have a busy schedule, you have kids and stuff like that. You can want to play as much as possible, but it's not going to happen because you don't have the ability to do it. So you have to make it super simple. So if you 
decrease the, your ability and you have, uh, and if you decrease the ability, it doesn't have to, you don't have to have that much motivation, but this, the other thing you need to have a prompt. You need to have something a trigger to be like, Oh, it's playtime. And in that book, a tiny habit, uh, BJ Fogg talks about, um, I, uh, it's like habit stacking. So what is something that you commonly do that is already a habit and how can you stack play on, to, on top of that. So for me personally, um, where I feel like I need the most play is during my work day, because again, the old sort of thing was work through it, push through it. And yes, there's going to be times when you have to do that, but you know, the smarter way is, Hey, I need to take a break. So I will um, like stack play into like little chunks of, of work. Fortunate for me, I have the perfect prompt. So uh, yes, when I finish my my sort of like sprint of work, I do some play, but I have a three-year-old son uh, and I'm working at home. So he's also a prompt of like, hey, Dada, uh, let's fight now. Like, it, like that's his form of play. So anyways, that's, I'm just going to pause there and, and let you reflect on that. I hear some what your thoughts are. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And the BMAP, I was listening to a podcast, like I think yesterday, and he was talking about this exact thing of like, if you need to incorporate a habit of some kind, stack it onto something that you already do. And so his example and in, in, you know, somebody that he helped was like, what do you do every morning? She said, have a, a cup of tea. And so she wanted to sort of de-stress and he was like, what is something that you find comforting and de-stressing? She was like, well, coloring. He was like, beautiful. Put your coloring book and your pencils right next to the tea kettle. And as soon as you put the tea on, start coloring and you will act is for five minutes minimum, you know? And as she kept doing that, she was like, I didn't even have to think about it. It was super easy. And obviously the benefits of that play for her in that instance uh, were huge. And you said something else too, that I thought was really interesting, which was like the transformative experience of where you are before you play taking note of like how you feel, what you're thinking, all that stuff, and then playing and taking note of how you feel afterwards. And that sort of cements that idea of that importance that you were talking about too, of like, this is why you got to start to incorporate these things. This is, you know, the greatness that you feel inside after playing is why you should incorporate it more often and take those breaks and take that time. So, and it's so interesting too, like the science behind why it works. Like if you can just do it, there's reasons why it works. And cognitively that the things that happen inside of our brain to bring us the, the chemical releases of joy and dopamine and all of these things, like, yes, 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 like more, more, more. And I think that when people think of play, and sometimes I think of this too, is what is play? I think a lot of times people think of it as, you know, physical, I don't know, role-playing or playing with swords or like in your you and your son's case like wrestling and all that stuff and and is it more physical is it more mental can it be both would it, and I'm sure it varies for people and figuring out what play means to them but how do you navigate getting to that spot and really figuring out what play means for you yeah that is the perfect segue Ah, amazing segue. There is an amazing book uh, called Play and How It Shapes the Brain and Our Our Mind by Dr. Stuart Brown. Uh, And in that book, he talks about taking a play history, looking back, and what were the things that we did when we were younger that brought us joy? You know, those, it was most likely play. We probably did it for, and that's the thing with play. True play is doing it for the sake of doing it. You know, the outcome 
you know, whether you win, lose, or you finish the coloring page or whatever, that's, that's icing on the cake, but it's, you want to do it for the sake of doing it. And that's why it's a practice because a researcher, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi talks about flow. And when he describes flow, the elements of flow is just the same elements when you're in play. And so as a way to figure out what play is for you, it's very personal. It's very um, individual. What are the things that brought you joy? What are the things that you did when you were younger that brought you joy? Um, because uh, I forgot which researcher was talk, uh, talking about this, uh, Piaget, I think his name is, but he was, you know, play, like when we were younger, everything we did was through play and that's how we learned. But some of the, there's a lot of really cool links to how we played as an adult or as a child. It equates to how we navigate the world as an adult. For example, they were, they asked a group of women uh, who played with Barbies, how did you play with your Barbie? And, you know, that was, again, a very personal thing. You know, some like nurtured it, some maybe did the knight in shiny armor thing, like some, you know, um, was a career woman like thing, like whatever, but it, how they played, there was a strong correlation to how they acted as an adult. So, you know, if we can tap into that, not only is that going to bring us joy and it's going to help rejuvenate us, but it's go also going to help us be adaptive because at the end of the day, um, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, we're, we're adaptive creatures. And if we can, like for me, I love Legos. Uh, I, I was a Legos kid. Um, and I didn't really matter if I built something like just to build it or I followed directions. I just like the tactileness of playing with my hands. Um, I also was a prankster. I did jokes um, and practical jokes on, on my sisters and my parents and I was a class clown. And that was for me was play. And that in Dr. Stuart Brown's book, he has the seven play, I believe it's seven play personalities. And you know, that's depending on how we like to play. But if you can tap into that, you can bring it into your day-to-day -day and you can realize and unlock those superpowers to help you navigate tough situations and realize the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis is play. That's what's important is yes, there's a time for play, but what if we can bring the spirit of play into the things that we do so that we can get more fulfillment and enjoyment out of all of the things. And one thing, one more point, to reiterate why this is important. I read this book uh, called Curious. His name is Todd Cashton, I believe his name was. And he did a study and he found out in our given day, we have 24 hours in a day, only 20% of the things that we do, we get fulfillment out of, like on average. And it's very specific stuff like, oh, I did this, it brought me joy. But he said, if you can bring a sense of curiosity to the things that you do, you can get even more fulfillment out of the things that you do in a given day. So it wasn't that, oh, we only get, you know, we only do stuff and it's only 20% of the stuff that we do. And oh, sorry, the 80% of your day for most people eh, sucks. That would be a crappy world to live in. But he said, if you're a little bit uh, more mindful and you bring a sense of curiosity, in my opinion, a sense of play to the stuff you do, you get even more fulfillment. Mm, that is so interesting because like, it's, it's squeezing the most out of your day. And yes, because of that, you know, it's not adding things necessarily into it. It's incorporating stuff into what you already do. And I think that mm -hmm. for me specifically thinking of play, it's like, well, how do I incorporate the stuff, you know, that I enjoyed as a kid and that I enjoy now and I just do for fun into something that I might feel mundane, but it's almost like gamifying what you're already doing. And it doesn't always have to be like, 
Legos, even though, yes, play with Legos as an adult, like do it um, because it brings you joy. But also, you know, you can't play with Legos if you're in a cubicle trying to I don't know, get work done or a paper or a project or whatever it may be. Or maybe you can't, I don't even know. And yeah. so it's like, how can we gamify this typically boring stuff? Right. Yeah. And bring in that spirit of play. So let me ask you a question. Um, Haley, like what did you do that brought you joy when you were a kid? I did a lot of filmmaking. I loved going around with, so I originally had found my parents' big bulky like video camera when I was, what age was I? I was probably like five years old maybe. And I found it in the closet because, you know, kids, that was also another form of play, just digging through stuff and like finding things. And so I found their video camera and I was like, this is cool. I'm going to film everything and anything. And then uh, graduated to that little flip camera, you know, with the USB that comes out of the side. I love those. Yeah. It was so fun. And I would make like music videos. I would do like little magic tricks on them. Um, And that was really, really fun for me was creating something out of nothing. And I also loved playing outside and doing sports. Like sports was a huge form of play for me. Um, I really enjoyed the mental challenges that came with sports and obviously also the physical challenges too, because it had a lot of stuff going on up here that manifested in just like getting it all out, you know? Yeah. So those were probably my two favorite things. Um, And I'm sure I did other stuff too. I, I wanted to be an artsy kid because I saw other people doing drawings and, you know, coloring beautiful things. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. And then I would do it and then I get frustrated because it didn't look good. And I tried to force other things that were other kids were using as play. Um, but definitely that video stuff and, and filming and figuring out different angles and what I can capture and how I can piece it all together and then show somebody and be like, what do you think? You know? Yeah. Well, so just hearing that, I feel like that's what this is. Like you're still doing that. Like, because uh, that's what I meant by like, just like being almost like an archeologist of going through and like looking at like, oh, how did I play? And, and taking it, what were the superpowers that I gained from doing that? Because everything, when we were younger, we learned through play. And like, so what I'm hearing that, uh, you know, that you did that was play that you loved doing was maybe documenting stuff or, or like seeing things from a different angle. and like all the stuff that went with that. And so like, if you can think about like, oh, all right, that's what I did. And you're right in the beginning of like, well, maybe you can't do that exact thing, but what was the essence of what you did? And how can you translate that into maybe something that's more mundane? And maybe it is like doing something like mundane, like, um, like um, you know, chores or something like that. Or, or maybe you are at work in a cubicle and then you can like, I don't know, like, you know, just sort of spitballing here, like, oh, you know, see it like, you know, like a, like a documentarian of like, you know, of documenting the mundane life. And, and someone uh, that I really admire, her name is Tanya Katan. She wrote this amazing book called Creative Trespassing. She actually did that. She was, um, she was hired because they were like, oh, you're artsy, you're like super creative. And she was hired for uh, a museum in um, Scottsdale, Arizona. And she was in a cubicle. And then so like her creative piece was documented cubicle life. She created this amazing creative piece. But like, I'm just saying, if you could just take 
what are those things that brought you joy? And you're right, layer it onto the other things. I feel like you would still get joy. You were into sports. So like, yeah, how can you, and that's one of the, um, the seven play personalities, but Dr. Stuart Brown, the competitive, um, someone who is the competitive, yes, you like to compete in sports, but you also probably like to compete with yourself. So you're right, that aspect of gamification. And in that book, Curious, there was a, a gentleman uh, there was a story about a gentleman. He worked in Grand Central Station, I believe, uh, in New York. He was a janitor. Probably not the best job, but again, it's the job he had. Uh, but how he got so much fulfillment out of it is that he started to gamify it. He started to you know, figure out how he can do these tasks quicker and better. And he would give himself handicaps when there were uh, like unforeseen uh, situations. And he started to enjoy his uh, his job a bit more. And then that started to trickle to his his comrades, the people that he worked with, and then it became a game. And then they would share their their stories about how they were able to do all this stuff and you know and and what their times were. He kept a log of of all of his record times and he would PR and certain things. So again, it, it's a mundane job that on the surface probably is not that enjoyable, but you gotta do it. How can you bring curiosity and play and get more fulfillment? And you're right. It is squeezing every last bit of the day because we only have 24 hours and, and some things are outside of our control of what we can control, uh, outside of our control of what we can do. So, you know, we have a few choices. We can just be like, uh, sucks, or we can, you know, figure out how we can make it better. Yeah, I love that. I Thinking back to what you were saying about that janitor and how he did it sort of without even thinking at first and then really started to make it into a game. I remember as uh, when I was a personal trainer at Orange Theory, we were allowed to do all of our own music. And I was like, yes, like that's going to be my thing. People are going to love to come to my class just because, not only because, but also because all, I'm going to put the best music on there. I'm going to hit every single genre. Every person's going to be running and bumping their fists. And it was really, really fun. And not only was personal training fun too, but you do, you know, back to back to back classes and every class, because it's a very structured environment is the same. So although it's really fun and you see new people, like I need that variety. And so to be in control of that music and put in that creativity and, you know, search outside of work, I would find myself like going through listening to music, which was fun in itself. And then being like, okay, all right, we're going to have like a high intensity run at this point in the class. So I'm going to put like this song here and start to put, you know, lower cool down songs here. And it was a process of not only making my job more fun, but it leaked into other areas of my life, which was I discovered new incredible artists and I started listening to different genres and I didn't hate country music as much (laughs) and like all of these fun things. And it's so much more diverse than we think as far as just like, okay, I'm going to play and it's just going to help this one area of my life. No, it's going to help all areas of your life. I love that. And so I have a question for you. Like, so you said you didn't hate country music as much. What other things do you think um, you surprised you uh, as you started to dive into music and and apply it to like the stuff that you were doing at Orange State? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, country music was definitely one of those things because – I don't know, I had only been exposed on the radio to country music and it was like scrolling through stations that were just like very twangy, very slow, like long drawn out music (laughs) like that. And I was like, no, 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 not for me. Um, 
And so when I was looking through Spotify is what I was usually using, I would find just stuff that would expand what I thought the genre was supposed to be. I would find other artists that were taking country music to different areas. Like now I believe that, yes, for the sake of labels and us as humans trying to label each genre as something, um, I get it, but I don't think there's anything as one genre of anything because all music has been influenced from something else. Like there's pop with influences of like medieval music and there's, you know, country music that's been influenced with hip hop and all of these things come together to create a song. And that's one thing that I was discovering was that there's so much more to these genres than we really think. And it was more so the process of discovery that I really enjoyed. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this person, they're so talented. And then I found myself going into their, you know, bio, and then I would research them on Google or whatever and find out so many things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, their childhood experience of this probably helped them create music about this. And it was just this wild series of events. And that, that discovery process, I think, was the part that excited me most. Yes. And, I, and that goes back to, again, the sort of spirit of play. Uh, because play can take on so many different forms. And I like to say there's a difference between childish and childlike. I encourage everyone to be childlike. And childlike is having that sense of wonder, curiosity, discovery. These are all the things that can help us just feel more fulfilled in life. And going back, like you were the prime example, just like what they were talking about in that book, Curious. They did an experiment where they had people do something that they wouldn't normally do. Like, you know, they had some people like crochet or whatever, like take on something for a specific period of time. And they had them do it with a certain mindset. They said, you know, while you're doing it, find out like what, what is interesting, you know, going with that sort of mindset. And they found that when people did that, they were more likely to actually enjoy it more. And they found that people kept on it and so like I feel like that's what you did with your discovery like especially around country music and stuff like that like because you came in with a curious mindset you were like you were wondering like oh what what else is there and you found yourself enjoying it and it was more than just the oh you know eh, you know like you said like prior to that like you were only maybe exposed to a small subsection of what it was and it just wasn't your thing but uh, because of your sense of wonder and curiosity it allowed you to explore something that you wouldn't normally do and so that is again the power of of play at work is that those are the elements of play that like i like to like sort of dissect what are the things that happen during play and how can we use that to our advantage to get the most out of life to um amplify i like because again i, I like games and growing up i played a lot of video games and we had a thing called a game genie i don't know if you remember game genie or anything like that no, I don't think yeah so basically it was a way to like get shortcuts or, or um and you put in these codes these cheat codes and allowed you to have a hundred men on one game or or get straight to the final boss and the other thing and i feel like play is a cheat code for life that accelerates everything and that is the whole point about about play it, it's it's sad that we have to like sort of break it down and be prescriptive but you know got to do what you got to do to get people into it you know someone that i really admire her name uh Brene brown um, most people have heard of her you know they've probably seen her talk on vulnerability and she talked about she did uh research on 
uh, people that have a lot of fulfillment in life. And I forgot what she called them, but they had a lot of characteristics in common. You know, they, different people, all walks of life, different ages, you know, they live in different places, but they all had similar characteristics. And it was interesting because when she was talking, a uh, wholeheartedness, I, I think that's what she called them, um, whole, wholehearted living. And one of the things that they had in common, and this is something that caught her by surprise, because at first she said they goofed off a lot. Uh, that's what, like, in all of her interviews, she's like, these people are goof-offs. They, like, you know, but she later described it as that they play. They they have a playful attitude. They have a playful mindset. And the people that wholehearted living, they're, you know, they're not, like, sort of rose-colored glasses, even though they are. You know, they, they have the highs and the lows. But, again, they realize the value in having that sense of play. And, like I said, childlike versus childish. Because we don't want childish behaviors like being selfish or or um whining and all those things trust me i know about it i got a three-year-old uh eddie eddie exhibits those also he also exhibits such amazing qualities that i'm like don't ever lose these kids like his ability to see the goodness in people like oh my gosh you know and and he's so curious about everything and he and he wants to try new things uh some of the times uh vegetables uh questionable not there yet (laughs) but that's the thing like as as an adult we forget uh and it reminds me of this quote that i I reference all the time is adults are just children who atrophied and there's something that came along that made us forget about that and it's so interesting because when you were talking about like wanting to do like like these artsy things i i'm with you like oh yeah like because again it's that identity of like yeah i want to gonna be cool and and then you do it and it, it looks like crap like it, it just like and then, and then and then you get so frustrated because you have your peers and you're like so for me it was this guy named mark lomahan i'm like how the hell can mark lomahan he's the same age as me look at these drawings like that he does they, they're like so amazing and look what i did like, it's, it's just like like one of those things like you see those pinterest fails like that's like my thing and one thing in that moment that what I did that we most of us do and we start to stifle ourselves is we start to say oh I'm not creative oh I'm not good at art or I can't draw and it's not about being good at that because this is the thing Mark yes had this ability like he was just talented but again when we're that young like you know um, it's probably around teenage you know puberty and stuff like that when that stuff starts to the form we just see things very black and white like oh they're good at that I'm not but this is the thing we can be good at anything if we apply ourselves, if we're curious about it. Uh, we can get better and better and better. But because that moment, I told myself a story that I'm not good at art, and I believe that story. 20 years later, like I, and that was like my ongoing thing. Oh, I can't draw. I can't draw. I can't draw. And then I remember I was in New York with my wife. Uh, we were at the MoMA, uh, Museum of Modern Art in New York. And we get to this, uh, this exhibit. There's a velvet rope around it, and there's a crowd of people. And so I'm thinking, all right, this is gonna be good. What are we about to see? And it's around the corner. So I'm like, I, again, I can't see it. And, and we walk up and it was like this. I'm like, what am I looking at? It looked like something a drunk college dude drew. And they blew it up and it's on the side of a wall. Like literally it is like, I'm like, this is art. But again, yes, it is art. And so like in that moment, I realized I'm like, oh, I guess it's subjective. And, and maybe I can draw. 
I just am comparing myself. And that's what happens when we compare, right? We like, we do it all the time. And again, it happens. And we just have to be mindful of like, oh, am I comparing? Am I comparing? Yep, I'm comparing. Because whether they say comparison is the thief of joy. So yeah, and I would like to show you something. Uh, so my, so when I do workshops, I have people, especially when they're in person, I would have them pair up. And then I would have them draw their partner. And I would get all the faces like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I can't, you know, yada, yada, yada. My, so I learned, you know, that's where I was learning about creativity and how kids around the age of five uh, did a study and they had genius level of creativity. And, but it started to decrease by the time they were 18. That same group, 95% of them had genius levels of creativity when they were five. By the time they were 18, it was only 3%. So huge decrease. And it was just all the things that we talked about. And so I had my niece do this activity of drawing me. She was five. Uh, it was a long time ago. And I'm going to show you her pictures. Yes. So this is what she drew. These are all me. They're all you. Yep. She drew me different styles and she loved it. Her favorite one was the one with the E's. That's like right there. She was cracking up laughing. She was cracking up laughing. <laughs> and again, comparison to FIFA Joy, she's not comparing. She can care less about anyone else's ability. It was her, like, you know, she loved doing it. And then again, there was another reinforcement that, oh, maybe it's not about like being better than someone. It's just like the art of doing it. And it goes back to what you said in the beginning about if you make space for that, and do whatever, you know, just get lost in the doodling, get lost in the whatever, you're going to get that feeling, like those neurochemicals that are going to help you thrive, especially in a time like now. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. There's so many things that you said that I was like, yes, no. yes, yes, yes. Yes. And one thing that stood out and made a reappearance at, in what you just said was, so like you were talking about, how this, I can't forget who you said it was, but they interviewed a bunch of people who were super fulfilled and they loved to goof off. And yeah, then, Brene Brown, yeah. Yes, Brene Brown. And you also mentioned just recently, you were like, you know, they did a study where they had the creative sort of IQ and then it dropped down to like 3% as they got older. And it really made me think, you know, in school, we don't really, up until like kindergarten, preschool, you know, maybe second grade at max is when that play is there, but then starkly starts to just oop, no more, no more play. Everything's so rigid. Everything's so serious. And I'm sure there is, and I'm sure you can dive into this, but the correlation between the creativity going down and becoming more of an adult and having that sense of fulfillment and the people who are goofing off, you know, I'm sure they were a handful for their teachers, yep. but that trait stuck with them. And the people who sort of essentially succumbed to that, that structure and were more disciplined or just decided to sort of follow that path of like, all right, well, I'm just going to do what they say and I'm going to chill out. And like, I'm going to suppress these feelings that I have of wanting to get up out of my seat and play and goof off and play pranks on my next door uh, chair neighbor and all of these things. And, you know, in work, sort of the same thing, like don't goof off, just do your work. So school and work and society and all of this stuff has sort of shaped us into not wanting to be playful. And because of that, I'm sure that's a huge part of the reason why a lot of people don't feel fulfilled in the work that they do. Yes. Oh, you, ah, you nailed it. That is, that is it. Is that conditioning? Because I can relate. 
because I was that goof off. I, I was that kid that can barely sit still. And again, maybe this is for a part two. We can, we can dive into conditioning and, and things like that. But I feel like the way that we acted when we were young, those are our innate superpowers that are going to come in handy when we're adults. However, some of those superpowers don't align with our sort of society's conditioning. And then we suppress them because we, at the end of the day, we are social creatures and we want to fit in and we want to belong, you know, part of the tribe. And so we start to say, oh, all right, well, this is how I need to act. All right, cool. I'm going to not goof off. Even though that is like your innate talent, your innate ability. And, and they can happen with any innate talent, innate curiosity, innate ability. Like, for example, um, I know so many of my friends that were really good with sports. And then they loved it to, just to do the sports. But then they get in this ultra competitive state, like where the play is sucked out and you have to win and stuff like that. And then it just doesn't become fun. And then you just like don't want to do it. Uh, but again, going back to adult, and then you get that urge, like they're like, oh, but you're like, no, 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 we can't do that. We can't do that. You remember when we were a kid, we got in trouble and, and dad said, we got to do this, that, and the other. But I believe that we need to like sort of engage in what I call rewilding, uh, going back to like our, our roots, because there's something there. Because again, I think about the stuff that I do now. I have to be a bit goofy. Uh, I'm a facilitator. Like, you know, so like I have to keep people engaged. I love talking to people, hence why we're here. Like, those are the things that I got in trouble with <laughs> as a kid a lot. But it, it comes in handy for the stuff I do now. And so I, I know for a bit, like maybe like five or six years ago, like I was getting like, I, I felt conflicted. You know, the body knows what's up. You know, that's, we talk about the difference between the brain and the heart. You know, the, the brain is like, no, 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 Gary, come on, come on. Um, we gotta, we gotta do what's right. But the heart's like, come on, come on. There's like, I, I think Pixar did a short about that. Like I, there has to be something about that where like, there's this conflict. I, there is, there, there is, there, there has to be. Like, I'll, I'll find it and I'll, I'll send it to you. It's really good. But it's about that thing about like the, the, the inner struggle. And um, after a certain point, and this is the interesting thing. I feel like after a certain age, you just have that DGAF attitude. And you're just like, WTF, whatever. And you just let it go. But my thing is, what if you can adopt that earlier? Because this, the, like, not to be a Debbie Downer, uh, but just to be real, not a lot of us are going to be able to get to that point. Um, I had a really good friend. Uh, his name is Warren. I'd known him um, ever since fourth grade. And so I had moved as a child and went to a different school from kindergarten up to fourth grade. So fourth grade is when I start to get stability because we moved into uh, the house that my parents still live in in Spring Valley. And then, you know, things started to be consistent. So I started getting friends that I kept and Warren was one of them. And Warren was always super creative, but he had a wild side and he didn't finish high school at first. He just like at a certain point, he's like, eh, whatever. He, we were in band together, high school band, amazing drummer, amazing photographer, amazing artist. Like he was just sort of raw. He had this raw talent. And he eventually, you know, got things in order and he was doing, he was doing good for himself. He was featured in this amazing magazine. His art was featured in this amazing magazine, but his life was taken way too soon. He got sick out of the blue. Um, not sure what happened. And it was so sad because it's like one of those things where we would, we kept up pretty regularly. And then it gets, you know, as you get older, you know, those catch-ups are few and far between. And then 
we had just caught up maybe like three, uh, maybe two months prior to that. And then I get a call from his mom and I, something told me like something happened to Warren and sure enough, he, he like died in his sleep. And so he didn't like, and so I, I, when I think about play, I think about, you know what? Warren did it right. It may not be by society standards, but he was always very playful. He was always doing the things that brought him the most joy. Some, some things, again, very questionable, depending on your, your view of things. But this the thing, you know, his life was taken so short. And it's like such one of these like sort of tragic stories of like things were finally going his way. He was, he was doing things, you know, um, he was being recognized for his art and things were going good. And then his life was taken. And so there's so many of us that we say, well, I'll do it later. I'll wait till I'm older. And at a certain point, like, you know, yes, older people just like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to do this. But why do we have to wait till then? What if we did it now? And I'm not saying we need to all be warned, but maybe we should to a degree. Yeah, it's it really, when things like that happen or you hear stories like that, it really solidifies the importance of today, now, this next hour, this next minute. And really coming back to that point of like soaking up as much as you can or squeezing out the orange juice as much as you can to get every single drop of life and fulfillment and happiness out of every single moment that you can. And no, not every moment is going to be love and light and happiness and fun and joy, but incorporating it as much as possible and being okay with saying like, fuck it, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Then enjoy. I think that a lot of times, the reason why people don't necessarily do that, going back to the whole structure, we've essentially been trained to people please. Most people are people pleasers. It's like, okay, we're pleasing so many people. Like, why can't we just please ourselves every once in a while? (laughs) And just say, all right, I get it. I'm going to do that, but I'm also going to do it my way. And my way is going to incorporate this play this fun i think that the act of for lack of a better word like going against the grain or going to do something that somebody else might deem a little bit weird a little bit off a little bit like immature maybe like why are you doing that the fear of that is so great for some people that they don't ever push past that point like you were saying what is like a baby step that somebody can do to break those little barriers are you asking that as a question or are we just yeah. saying it rhetorically? <laughs> no, 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 actual question. Because <laughs> I think so many people are genuinely stuck. Right? They want to know. I they are. I want to do it, but I don't know how. And it's like, well, just do it. Just start with something small. And they're like, well, I don't even know what small it is. And it's so easy for me and you to say, just do it. Um, because we have that sort of natural inclination to just like yeah, to play and incorporate it. it. And yeah, exactly. And say, fuck it. But Uh, a lot of people don't. Yes. Well, I'll first start with an acronym. You remember Peter Pan? Did you watch Hook with Robin Williams? Peter Pan. Yeah, yeah. You remember when Robin Williams' character, you know, Peter, he like, he goes back to Never Everland and oh my God, this, the scene like always gets me. The, the little chubby black kid, like he, he gets him and he squeezes his face and like, oh, there you are, Peter. And again, that child is in us. That child is in us. And Peter he he couldn't fly he couldn't fly like he they like you can't remember to fly who are you you know in order to fly you need to think about those happy thoughts but fly is also an acronym whenever you're stuck because you 
Oh, you nailed it because we're all recovering people pleasers, right? In order to start to bring back that joy, you need to fly and fly stands for first love yourself. I love that. So how can you love yourself? Like, and it goes back to what I said earlier of what is something that brings you joy? Make it like your life depends on it to get some element of that in your day. Because in order to do what you got to do, you have to come from a full picture. And if you're not coming from a full picture, like how are you going to serve other people? How are you going to do your job to your best of your ability? And maybe it is the first you know, two minutes of your day you, you do that. You know, you, you have the coloring book right by your tea kettle. And for five minutes, you're not thinking about anything. You're just completely present and you're coloring. Or, you know, you're the type of person that, that loves to play sports. You get into your day and you're, and you're challenging yourself. You know what? How can I figure out another way of doing that? Because for you, you know, that is play and you're, it's allowing you to see your work as play. Because this is the thing. Anxiety and fear, it, it has a way of consuming us, right? But so does courage. And I'm going to try something. It may not work. Are you, do you like magic? Yes. Love magic. All right. I'm going to try to do a magic trick. It, it may blow up. And if it did, if it does, can you just promise to, that this never happened? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. All right, cool. So all right, here's some cards and I, what I'm going to do now so that you can see me at the same time. Here I am. Whoa. Uh, and I'm gonna, so what I have in my hand is one, two, three, four cards, right? You see those four cards. Yeah. And these are some special cards because they have spiders on them. One, two, three, four spiders. And that is like your, your fear, right? Fear and anxiety. It, like, it, it consumes you. But one of the, the cool things is that when you like, give it a little shake and a little blow, boom, they, they disappear. I know, right? Uh, pretty badass. Um, and that is when you start to apply some courage. And as you can see, they're gone on all of the cards. Every card, they're completely gone. And that is what happens when you add a bit of play, um, is that you can shake that fear away, the anxiety goes away, and you're able to have a clear thought. Sure enough, the spider may come back, but you just got to add a little bit of play. So anyways, that's just a, I, that I, I've been cool. playing around with what I call magical metaphors. Those are the best kind. Yeah. So there, there you go. Yeah. I love that metaphor. And I, I think, I mean, you even just incorporated play into what somebody might think of like, ah, oh, just another metaphor, but it's so important. And um, gosh, once yeah, again, we we're time is flying. All right. You and I are we're having fun. on fire and having so much fun. Yes. But to, like final thoughts, I do have a question for you because yeah, I think this idea of play is obviously so important. So do you, and you know, we've talked about the importance of it throughout this whole time together, but I feel like some people still might think, okay, great. There's, you know, play is important. Sure. I'm going to incorporate it into my week, all this stuff. But I think that if it doesn't strike them in a way that's like personally valuable to them, that's going to you know, make them better in some way, they just won't do it. And so if we can give them an incentive, I think it will give them enough motivation to take that action and have that. Um, Absolutely right. Uh, BMAP. It's going to give them that. Um, what was the P? Oh yeah. Uh, prompt. Prompt. It's going to give them that prompt to actually take that action and turn it into a good behavior. And so my question was when we do incorporate this play, 
and we make it part of our daily or at minimum weekly life, what does that do for like our either productivity or our output essentially? Yep. All right. So uh, for the adults in the room that need that sort of proof is this. You're absolutely correct. And you hit the nail right on the head earlier of when you play, you are actually rejuvenating your brain. If you want to get something done with more vigor, with more stamina, you need to play. You need to take a break. This is what happens. Your brain is still working on it. So get to that point and I get it. You probably don't want to take a break, but have you ever seen a show, you know, back when we didn't binge watch (laughs) and there was a cliffhanger. What did you do that whole week? Made up what? what Right? You're thinking of it. Your brain is thinking, your brain is ruminating on what could happen. What are all the things that are going on? Uh, There was a show called Lost uh, back in the, you know, 2000s. And again, pre-Netflix and all that stuff. At work, we would have meetings to like, what what are going on? And, and, and like we had all of this stuff, we couldn't help but to think about it. That's how your brain works. So if you can get to a point where you can leave your work as a cliffhanger, then go play, your brain is going to be working on it. And the moment you get back, you are going to be so productive because your brain has already primed you with all the stuff that you need to do. So for those of you who want to be more productive, you need to incorporate play. If you want to be more creative, more adaptive, because I don't know who doesn't need to according to LinkedIn, that is one of the top sought after skills as it pertains to jobs. So adaptivity is important. I think I made up a word, but being adaptive is important. Incorporating a bit of play is going to help you see things in novel ways. I'm going to give you one more study and then, then I'm just going to leave it at that because at that point, if, if you haven't got it, then I'm sorry. Um, It's not for everyone. Um, And we will just be the rebellious creatures that will get the most out of our day. And everyone else can just just go shove off. But um, they did a study with rats where they had two groups of rats. Uh, One group, they kept them isolated. They did not allow them to play. And then the other group, they allowed them to play. And what they found was that there was a little ball that was covering cheese. The rats knew it was there the rats that were kept from playing just gave up. They didn't try to figure out how to get the ball off the cheese. The rats who played were adaptive and was creative and they figured out how to get the ball off the cheese and their brains grew. They grew. Yeah. The the rats who played their brains continue to grow. So that's for all of you. That is your challenge. Do you want that cheddar? If you do, (laughs) (laughs) you will play. So that's all I got. That's amazing. What a beautiful way to end and, and wrap up everything. God, I love having conversations with you. You're so fun. Right? Me too. Yeah. Oh my God. This is, talk about like, I am pumped up. And this is the thing, the day is still going to be the day. We Like when we first started, we were talking about like, oh my God, Whew, a lot of stuff. It's pretty heavy, but I feel like I am powered up to be able to like deal with it because we have this conversation. So thank you. Yes. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's so true. You know, we started out and yes, we were excited, but like you said, stuff going on externally always has an effect on us. And now that we've talked and had fun and got energized, I'm like ready to take on whatever else is ahead. Yeah. So thank you.